Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. So way back in episode 48, I had a lovely conversation with Jessie mom to 17-year-old Griffin with Prada-Willi syndrome. Today, I get to offer you an interview with Griffin himself. He is the first person I have had the opportunity to speak with that has PWS, and the insight that he brings to this disorder is incredibly helpful and enlightening. So more on that in a minute. First, I would like to say that I hope everyone had a wonderful Mother's Day. Mine was lovely, full of gardening, reading, and downtime. I only yelled once. But it was it was a sweet day. I had some nice time with my husband hanging out under the trees in our yard. Haven made me an amazing banana split. And my little ones made me those clunky yarn necklaces with plastic beads and a cold foot bath with uh, some poisonous flowers. So it's a very lovely day all in all. And I hope it was for you as well. So I did take some time on Mother's Day to make a little video while I was outside. Maybe you saw it. I put it on Instagram and in the Facebook group. And it's a video of myself reading a poem from my writing journal, There is Joy to be Found Here, a writing journal for parents of children with special needs. That's a long but descriptive title. And uh, I have hard copies for sale, and I finally uploaded a version to the website that is downloadable. So um, that's a little confusing, upload, download. But um, yeah, you can go to my website, com, and you can get yourself a downloaded version or a, a downloadable version. So, um, And those are on sale um, through this week. I'll keep those Mother's Day prices up since I didn't mention it um, last time on the podcast because I'm not that uh, organized. <laughs> And I'm my own IT person, so there's usually some glitches, but it's totally fine now. And um, yeah, so for $10, you can get the download downloadable copy, which is, um, I think, a good deal. And then $20 for the hard copy, and that is that includes shipping um, if you're just ordering one and you're in the United States. And if you want to know more about the writing journal, I've talked about it a lot. I'm not going to talk about it anymore here. You can go to my Instagram account at Walking with Freya, or you can listen to past episodes that I talk about it. So, But for now, I want to get you all to this interview. So as I record this intro, it is day 13 of Prada Willie Awareness Month. I am doing the Plank and Push-Up Challenge with Freya, who uh, the, Dr. Miller's Plank and Push-Up Challenge. And I know many of you are doing that if you're in the PWS world. With, and uh, yeah. My arms are getting stronger. My core is getting stronger, and so is Freya's. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I definitely don't look forward to my push-ups at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, that's part of our PWS Awareness Month. I am 
delighted and honored to bring you this interview with Griffin, a young man with Prada Willie syndrome. So Griffin is a very articulate 17-year-old, and you can contrast that with my annoying us and ums throughout the interview. I apologize for those. My daughter says that I edit too much, but there's still some in there. You can also hear a, ro- a rooster crowing in the background at some point, but that's, uh, that's farm life. <laughs> so after his introduction, I ask Griffin how he explains PWS, Prader-Willi Syndrome. And then we discuss life with PWS, peers, friends, advocates, diets, and then we get into the biggest challenges of PWS, which is anxiety, depression, and the telltale hyperphagia, which is that excessive drive to eat. And he talks about how they all connect. And if you have a child with PWS or someone with PWS in your life, this episode could be a great opportunity to achieve a deeper understanding. I will be sharing this episode with the people in Freya's life. So if that's you and you're here listening, then I thank you. Now Griffin seems to be a really great kid. He's living a beautiful life full of motivation and a desire to be helpful. He is an inspiring example of the hope and expanded expectations of what we can have for our children. But he has help and he makes that clear. Part of his success is the assistance he receives in life, the support of his family and friends, the school, and the accountability that comes with that. As many of you know, Prader-Willi syndrome is a spectrum disorder, which means that not all kids are capable of such things as Griffin. But the point is not to judge, not to base the success of your child on another, But hopefully, this interview offers you an insight into what all kids with PWS experience. Whether they can hike for miles and speak at a conference in front of a large group of people, or whether a stroll around the block in a complete articulate sentence is their success, they all feel the hunger. They all deal with anxiety. This is a heartbreaking reality of PWS. But the beauty is, And this is what Griffin shows us, is that these can be managed. They do not have to deter your child from living their best life, however that looks for them. We can't make these challenges go away. But with the right help, the right advocacy and understanding, we can help our children learn to live a full and beautiful life, one that they are inspired to live. So thank you, Griffin. Thank you, Jesse, and thank you to all of you here listening for the sake of someone in your life with PWS. It is with education, knowledge, and compassion that we can offer the right support and advocacy these kids need to live their full and beautiful life. My name is Griffin Schneider, and I am 17 years old and I live in Middlebury, Vermont. And I really enjoy um, being outdoors and working on the farm and really just helping people and trying to um, allow people to have all of the necessities that um, people need to be as well as they can and healthy and well so that they're allowed to 
um, live a very healthy and wonderful life. Yeah, mm, I love that. Yep, it's important, especially in this time, to really uh, be aware of our health and take care of ourselves. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, how are you? How are you doing with the whole um, shelter-in-place thing? Is that is that something that's been really hard for you, or um, are you kind of going with the flow? Um, I have really noticed that this time has been really easy for me and really low stress compared to normal life and that there hasn't been really any stress or triggers that has led me into the wrong directions. Um, I feel like having a low stress schedule makes it really easy for me to strive and focus on my schoolwork. Um, but the one thing that's been really challenging is not having the one-on-one -on -one connection with teachers um, as easily as it would be in the school building, but it's been a lot more easier and I've been able to focus more on school in a homeschooled environment without the distractions of um, food and other um, stresses that could lead to me not being my best self. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's in this time it can be. Um, yeah, there is there is more time to to focus on certain things, which is really nice to be able to have that time to really to really focus and to put a lot of work into certain things. But yeah, it's it's, um, you know, Zoom meetings and online classes aren't quite the same as having, you know, sitting there with somebody and interacting personally. So. So it's an interesting time. Um, so how do you describe Prader-Willi syndrome to people? Um, the way that I describe it to people is that it is a, so there's many ways that I, but it really depends on who I'm talking to. Um, but the, really the underlying thing that I usually say is that it's a genetic, uh, genetic disease that leads, um, leads to stress around food and that um, Fry and other people who have it um, have a really challenge around food in the way of like noticing or realizing what the right amount or the right things to put in your body. Um, and also that there, are, there is a lot of different stresses around social and other interactions that lead towards it. Um, so I usually just talk about it and explain it in a lot of different ways, um, but that's one of them. But another like easier way of explaining it is that I usually um, just say, um, that I have trouble around food and that um, I really just like knowing that I have people around me to get to have support and also to know that I might have trouble understanding sarcasm or idioms or anything related to like it even see little things about social stuff um, and that it really is just helpful to have people around to help through the challenges and really just keep you accountable towards your actions. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, do you, um, so are those typically like your parents and teachers and aides or do you, like, do you have close friends that, that are, that are good advocates for you and that are able to, to help you uh, navigate certain situations? I have a lot of really close friends that do that. Um, and I am a part of um, Unified Basketball. Mm -hmm. um, and the partners who are the um, kids without disabilities who help out and really just want to be there to help and not really understand the stories of um, all of us who have different um, challenges. And they, they were really the first people I told um, in school that I had PWS because I, for a while, I was very um, not um, feeling up to telling people because I really just wanted to be who I was. And I didn't show anything in my younger years um, until I started realizing that I had an issue and was starting to deal with it and really seeing that it really came out in my um, teenage years and that I've been really working on trying to figure ways to help help it and get help by um, doctors as well as my friends to find a way to um, live and um, succeed in a unpredictable environment mm. that um, today's society brings. Hmm. Yeah. Well, from some of the stories that I've heard from your mom, I mean, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not easy, but when she told me you went on a backpacking trip by yourself, I was just, I was blown away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm glad that you have a lot of wonderful people that can, um, you know, that are helping you yeah, along the way. Yeah, Go ahead. it's really like my life is kind of like, I call it a lot of times a roller coaster. Hmm. So I have a lot of ups and downs and sometimes I am really, really happy and enjoying whatever I'm doing. And sometimes I'm really unhappy and really don't know why. And I always realize that I have to think positively and not negatively because then it just leads me to spiraling um, and really leads me into the wrong mindset to really focus and be myself. And what has really helped me in the past and has been helping me right now is being on a keto diet, um, which has really helped my brain feel less stress and my well-being, so that I'm able to be more, be more communicative and asking for help when I need it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great to know. Yeah, I know that's a big thing that some families do, the keto diet, and I haven't tried it yet. I mean, my daughter's eight. Um, she seems a little young for it, or I'm just, uh, or it just seems like, how how hard is it to stick to the keto diet? I mean, how big was shift with it, it? So I've tried it multiple times, and I tried it for like over like a year, and it was really hard. And that was like, when I was like 15 or 16. And then I stopped and uh, started doing a Mediterranean diet, more of a 
meat and vegetable diet and still low carbs. Um, and then I was like, we came to this time, I just got back from my um, trip from up um, north in Canada. And I thought that it would be the most easiest thing of going on a high fat diet because I had been having a lot of carbs and um, I was very out of sorts. And um, I just took it upon myself and it's been working. I've been following um, this uh, website called Diet Doctor, which has um, a weekly or 30 day meal plans that you can follow, which has been really nice. And it should, like allows you to um, choose like one serving or two servings or like if you want to make it for your entire family. Um, so it's been really nice and um, we've been basically just um, incorporating that into an entire family meal or um, basically just using a recipe um, uh, to make for a, the family if we were deciding to have salmon or then we do a keto salmon recipe. Um, and I've been uh, able to be more freely and have things that I wouldn't have on the other keto diet I was on. Um, so this really allows me to know more things and cook in a short amount of time and feel like I'm more um, normal and able to eat more things that I wouldn't if I wasn't following a professional um, website. Mm -hmm. Okay, diet doctor. I will check that out. That sounds um, that sounds like a really potentially a really great resource. Um, so, thank you for that. Yeah, it has it has like for all sorts of dieting. It helps with like weight loss and all sorts of stuff. It, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks. Are you can in touch at all with peers your age or around your age that also have a PWS? Uh, yeah. Um, I had, I just like a year ago, um, started to open up to the PWS community and I just went to my first national PWS, um, conference in Florida a little bit ago. I forget exactly when that was. Um, and I met a bunch of new kids and faces that I didn't know. And I also um, had some time to hang out with some kids that I had been talking on the phone, but never saw in person. Um, and it was a interesting um, feeling and also kind of like in the moment, it was really fun and cool to meet other people. But then at the end of it, it was kind of a shock to me of seeing the difference is of how this medical condition can really affect a young adult mm -hmm. um, and the ways that people are working on trying to fix and also try to fight it um, and how different the spectrum is mm -hmm. and how people might, sh might show like, wow, they have a lot of challenges, but some um, might only have scoliosis and, 
have social problems. So it really has um, different sides of it. Um, and I've gone to um, one person's house and spent a few days there in Chicago. Um, and then my mother has a lot of family friends that I just chat with um, on, on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, I think overall, um, I've met people and some of them I've um, kept in contact with and some I just said like this is too much and um, I have my own life and I have other things more important than um, talking drama on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good to recognize because it's a rabbit hole. Yeah, we can get sucked down into those things. Um, <clears throat> so you went to the conference and so you, you met people your own age, I think, which is great. And then you spoke at that conference as well, correct? Yep. Yeah. How was that experience? That was, it was, uh, that I really enjoyed that. Um, I, really enjoyed having the feeling of that I was changing and making the day for a lot of families mm. and helping them see what their child could become and to really keep their hopes up. And it really just made me have the feeling of happiness that I feel when I feel like when I'm with kids or I'm outside and exercising, kind of that feeling of having um, a having your dopamine um, heightened. Um, when I st stood up and had uh, about four thousand people um, giving me applause at the end, and then having a bunch of thanks at the end, and meeting a lot of different families and hearing their stories and how they're going to. Um, Tell, tell their kids about me and try to try to find ways to um, lighten up their lives through this challenging time um, and um, try to try to somewhat use me as an inf inspiration to um, start moving and exercising and starting to really think about it at a um, earlier point than a later point which could be too late or um, not enough time to really get a um, outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so great. I got to see part of um, your mom's video. I got to see part of it and uh, that's a lot of people to be in front of. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. that you did that. Um, but like also that that was really helpful but also like the the difference of seeing um my um age side of it as well as like the younger kids um around like 11 12 13 14 um is a very different um rate uh different on a different spectrum um and that's just because of all the new medications and the new technology that has come into place to help with um all of it and they just like look completely normal but 
as I grew up and did it. So it's kind of amazing of seeing younger people coming up and really looking more like me um, than the the earlier um, sight of what it really is, which has kind of brought a better picture on of it and not a, not more of like a shock shock when you hear it and it has been more of like oh i got this gift and look at these different people who have strived and i think that i can um bring my child to be somewhat like him or someone like her um mm -hmm. and it's really just become more of a community thing than um an ind individual um trying to work through this challenging fight that they have um been gifted yeah yeah well you know when you get a diagnosis like this for your child you know my daughter she was 11 no i'm sorry she was three and a half months old and so by then you know they're just this little baby and you get this diagnosis and it's so easy to to read all of the the negative aspects all of the kind of the scary stories about it and it's hard to imagine it another way uh sometimes and so i think it's just fabulous for parents to see people like you up there um you know talking about it and being so articulate and so open and and obviously really succeeding in life and so it's yeah it's a it's a really beautiful thing to see um and for parents to see that and and then to be able to say oh okay so everything i read on the internet is not you know like that's not the whole story or um yeah yeah gives a lot of people hope so that's great um would you what would you say is the biggest challenge of pws would you say it's the hyperphagia um i think it's more of so that is piece of it but i think really the most underlying challenge of crater willy syndrome is the depression and the anxiety that comes with it and that i've really seen and also talking to my friends that it's really more of a anxiety driven um situation and that more hyper that hyperphagia more comes with anxiety than mm. more of like a drive but it's not like it's more it's more like as a lot of people do that they eat when they have anxiety yeah it's just a little bit more heightened with us with prader willi syndrome mm -hmm. um and that i think more really what the big picture is is anxiety and depression and that um a lot of people right now in um, medicine and people who are working on trying to find different medications are really working towards the hyperphagia side of it but i think people should be more focusing on the depression side of it because that really is what drives all issues mm -hmm. um, yeah. i think if they really found a way to um control that or lighten 
the weight of the stress and anxiety and the depression, um, we, could, we could really see a huge change in the population of kids living with Prady Willie syndrome. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, that's a very important perspective. And I hope that there are people out there who get, who are in charge of, uh, the studies and the, and the medicines that they try, um, that hear that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've definitely noticed that with Freya, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot more about the anxiety aspect of it. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to, to grasp sometimes, but then it's also, it just seems so easy. It's like, if, if it, if it brings about anxiety, then yeah, there, you can see this whole other kind of like this, uh, snowball effect of, of ways that it manifests. Yeah. Well, so what have you, what helps you with your anxiety? And, and uh, depression? Um, I really have seen um, just having a balanced schedule and really just trying to get um, two hours of exercise per day um, and also just trying to get outside and really not um, spending too much time inside and doing one thing and more just being very busy and moving around and chatting with people and trying to find the best ways of staying in my happy place um, and not getting spiraled down and ending up feeling down and depressed. Um, but I think really what um, doesn't help that is sugar, which the keto diet has really helped with that. Um, and I've kind of described as the keto diet has kind of been a way to detox um, sugar away um, and that I have started like realizing and feeling that wow I feel a lot better when I'm not um, eating sugar or carbs um, and that I really just try to really work towards um, being the most healthy most fit and um, trying to help others that really bring bring my um, brightness and happiness out of me mm -hmm. it's amazing what that what your diet can do I mean I, I feel that with myself as well I mean I can tell when I've had you know crappy food because yeah I feel all those you know all those things I feel agitated and grumpy and um, sluggish and then that just kind of starts the whole you know that I don't move as much and yeah, so it's it's amazing what our food can offer us or um, what it can do to us if we're not eating the good stuff. So, <clears throat> um, all right, just a few more questions. And I feel like maybe I know this one. I had the question written down. Um, what is one thing you would really like people to understand about PWS? But I'm wondering if maybe it is that anxiety is the driving force, but um, maybe you have a different answer. Is there something that you um, think is very misunderstood? I, so I think that is one of the big, big picture one. Um, but I really think that something else that you could add on to that is that um, 
a lot of times um, people uh, don't like kind of the hyperphagia part um, kind of don't really take it as seriously as they should in circumstances like um, schools and different people who care about it that haven't really experienced it. Um, and that mostly they take, take what they hear and what they read as the information that they use, but don't really take, take what they see as granted. Um, and as for me, as my experience, um, I have gone on multiple trips and um, for example, like the semester trip I just went on, um, that I and my parents had explained to my camp counselors um, what my challenges were, that I had Prader-Willi syndrome and that um, certain things would be challenging and that I really worked towards um, trying to advocate for myself and really say what I needed to be successful. And I think that some people um, feel like it's not really an issue. Mm. They really see it and that they really need to spend like 24 hours with someone with Prader-Willi syndrome to really understand the underlying um, challenge of being with someone or, and living with it and also supporting them in the way that they need it by best, um, depending on who the individual is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I have found as well that, that the hyperphagia is something that people really, they really do struggle with taking it so seriously. And, and one of the things um, that people have said, which is so obnoxious, but when I've tried to explain Prada Willie to them and I explain about the hyperphagia, you know, there's some offhand comment like, oh, I probably, I must have that as well or something, you know, which is just, I get that they're trying to maybe make it light, but yeah, there, there is this um, lack of true understanding about what it is. And if you wouldn't mind, or if, is there, is there a way to explain that feeling? Um, I mostly describe it as an addiction. Mm. It's kind of the way that I've experienced it, that it's more of an anxiety driven and more of kind of like I use it as a de-stressor. And when I feel like I'm kind of off or I have something huge and stressful happening, um, like a breakup or didn't do well on a test or um, got in a fight with my family or a friend that I feel like I'm more driven to go take food. And then it kind of goes into a rhythm and that kind of like drives me more and more and more towards it because I already have the carbs or I already have the sugar in me that leads me. And then as like what I've heard from my um, mother and my siblings and my father um, is that I'm totally a different person when I have sugar or carbs. And 
I also notice that. Um, and it's kind of like, I'm not with them. Hmm. Um, and I've kind of, kind of like, as I kind of describe it to people of when I'm like, I need, I need an alternative. I can't, you can't have a party, an ice cream social party as a, um, sport gathering because I can't have that because it will just lead me on to the wrong, um, mindset um and that a lot of people don't really get it unless you really describe it as that it's more like an addiction and that um different things will trigger towards it and that it's basically you have to do what you got to do to control and um keep that person safe away from the things that can um, hurt them in the end. Hmm. This has been such an enlightening conversation. I am so grateful to you for, for talking about all of this. Um, I describing hyperphagia as like an addiction. I mean, I think that is something that, yeah, people can really start to understand, you know, really grasp. Um, so yeah, this has just been so enlightening. Thank you so much. Um, I have one more question and it's about um, more you personally and your connection to the wilderness and to being outside and being in the forest. And um, I'm just wondering how, you know, if you could just talk about that connection and how it um, has, has helped you oh, just overall in your life. Um, so the woods is, I basically call it my second home. Um, it's a really safe and calming and de-stressor. And it's really a place where I feel like I can um, meditate and really think about what's going on and really express myself. And I feel like I can be more communicative and more aware of what's going on when I'm out in the wilderness and I'm moving and I'm chatting and that I can really explain how I'm feeling or also what I can really take in how other people are feeling and try to change the way that I act um, more in the wilderness than I would in a normal society. And that I'm really excited to see how the change of having being in a school environment outside will be for me next year um as just um told that i was um welcomed to the walden project which is a outdoor school high school um near oh, us. congratulations yeah and i've been um working towards um getting in this school for a really long time. And I'm really excited to spend my last two years of high school there um, and uh, re, re uh, do my junior year so that I get the two years of the education. Um, and also really just to see that different environment and how um, I can learn better and more just focus and get the support I need. Um, because being in an enclosed area in a building and not having the fresh air and the kind of the more openness really triggers me and really leads me down the wrong path and really doesn't um, 
doesn't lead me to the right people and doesn't really tell me tell me what I should be doing or what the right thing is to do um, and really kind of just isolates me and I really hope that um, spending more time in the wilderness will really bring myself out and really be able to um, make more of a difference and um, try to find different ways to helping other um, kids and families that are struggling with BWS.